0: is the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a creative community. He created all things. He is a community within himself and the persons of the Godhead. And you are unceasing. Your spirit will go on forever. You are an eternal being now on the other side. From the time you were created on, that will last. And you were made for friendship with this creative community, which is God. That's why you were created. So here's my main point. Jesus offers you a real relationship, a real relationship. And for a relationship to happen, there has to be communication. It is normal in any relationship to have communication. So we're gonna get a little bit into how God communicates with us this morning because you can't have a personal walk without that. You just can't, you can't have a relationship without communication. We'll be exploring one particular instance and I could choose from hundreds of them in the scripture of people that have a personal walk with the Lord. I'm going to look at Peter today in one instance in his, in his ministry, but I'm hoping this for you. I hope that when you read the Bible, you won't compartmentalize these stories and go, oh, well, of course God gave visions and words and stuff to Peter. He's an apostle. And then the unspoken follow-up is God no longer does that. But nowhere in here does it say, And the Lord ceased to talk to people or lead them. It's not in here. In fact, Jesus, when he gave his great commission, he said, I'm sending you go into the nations, baptize them, make disciples of all nations, teach them to obey what I've commanded you. And he says, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. So if I say to you, guys, I'm with you to the end of the age. I will always be, I'm with you guys Right? That's, that's weird. So Jesus said that, and then he ascended to heaven. He, he left their physical presence. So what did it mean that he's going to be with us? He's here in this room right now. He is with us. And those who know him know that. But I want you to press in. I want you to receive from him. He will communicate with you. Now we're going to look at this story like many of these other accounts and see God interacting and in how he does it. It's a little different. It shouldn't be surprising to you that the living God would communicate in a different way than maybe one human talks to another, but it's not all that different. And I want to suggest to you that the Bible alone is not enough for you in this life. It won't tell you who to marry. It won't tell you if you should take that new job offer. It won't tell you if you should buy a car now or later or spend your money on something else. It doesn't tell you all that stuff and yet we need guidance. But it's not even about guidance. We just don't want to live this life alone. I I want the Lord to walk with me in the normal stuff, the ordinary stuff, not the major crossroads. Now, many of us will get to a major crossroad, and then we start praying like crazy, begging God to help. But what we've not done is cultivate the relationship so that we're used to hearing his voice and knowing what his guidance would sound like because we do it day by day. I will tell you that a relationship, of personal walk with the Lord is so much more interesting on a day-by-day basis than just waiting till the major crisis, praying for God to help. And because he is so merciful, he does. And then he's like, but I'm here every day. I'm waiting. I'm here every day. And then we go on and do it our own way until we get into a crisis. And then we cry out, God, where are you? And he's there and he helps us. Let's do that moment by moment, day by day. Let's press into him. Now, to help us do that, I want to look at at this, this account. So it's page 918 in a pew Bible. And we're going to see some things here. We're going to see Peter's prayer life. We're going to see God speaking in a vision, in an audible, or maybe a word in Peter's mind. We're going to see circumstances. All of these things God is going to speak into this situation. And I want you to understand, not only is the Bible full of this, history is full of it as well. So many people, Christians down through the ages, have these, these exact same experiences. And I want to tell you that the people sitting around you do as well. They're just or maybe a little embarrassed to tell you when these things happen because they think you'll say that they're crazy and God doesn't speak to people, which is, I believe, one of the ploys of the devil to stop you from having a lively faith. That he gives you fear that people will think you're weird or crazy if you're like, I think God told me that. I want, I want us as a church to press past that. So let's take a look at this. This, this is the account of not the conversion of Cornelius. It's actually the conversion of Peter. Cornelius gets converted too, but Peter gets converted in a sense. So what had happened here is Peter now um, is pursuing uh, this ministry God has given him. I picked this story because it's post Pentecost. It's after the Holy Spirit came. He now dwells with people in their heart forever. And so the apostles all have the Holy Spirit and but they don't quite know how this mission is going to work. They still are aiming only at the Jews. And the point of Acts, the big picture point is that it's for all people, including the Gentiles. So the sentence at, at the, the verse right before the last verse that I read to you in Acts chapter 28, 28, 28, verse 28 says, therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. So the whole point of Acts is about how the gospel is going out to the ends of the earth. It's not just for Jews. It's for everyone. But Peter needs to be converted to that. And what God does is he stirs up a God-fearing Gentile named Cornelius, who's a Roman centurion, a well-respected man. He's prayerful. He's a God-fearer. He's generous. And God comes to him through the vision of an angel and tells him, send for Peter, who's living down in Caesarea at this certain house. And so he does, he sends people to go get Peter. Meanwhile, Peter has an experience on the other end where God is speaking to Peter. So let's press into that. Look at verse nine. I want to point out the first thing about this. It says the next day, meaning after, after Cornelius sent the people, the next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. Normal, regular prayer for the believer. We do this. Christians have done this for, for ages. You're in a normal r- rhythm of prayer right now. We come to church on the Lord's Day, Sunday morning. We as a church also pray Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. You're welcome to join us for that. The Anglican church for 500 years had established a pattern of morning and evening prayer. If you look at a prayer book, there's a, there's a service for morning prayer and a service for evening prayer. There are readings for the morning and readings for the evening. The, the church has a rhythm of prayer. The Anglican church was just picking up something the monastic movement had. They had seven times throughout the day of prayer. These were times to intentionally press into God's presence and and make ourselves aware of him. Listen, to read his word, to ask him to speak. Peter's doing this. It was noon. The The sixth hour means noon. So at noon, he went into prayer, which is what Peter did. That's good. I'm commending it. Times of prayer, regular times of prayer. In the midst of that, God does something. It says that there is a vision. He says, um, Peter, and this is in verse ten. It says um, he was hungry and he was waiting for lunch to be made, and he fell into a trance, like a dream state or something, and he was staring off into the whatever, into out towards the sea, and and he saw he- the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down at its four corners. Um, And in it were birds of the air and um, all kinds of reptiles and animals. And then a voice comes to him. Now, you need to know that for Jews, there were certain foods and animals that were considered ceremonially unclean to eat. And these were on that sheet. And Peter hears a voice saying, rise, kill and eat. And I love that Peter talks to the Lord in this vision. He goes, surely not, Lord. I've never eaten anything unclean or common. And then the voice comes again and says, what God has made clean, do not call common. Now, something else I like about this passage and why I chose it is all three persons of the Trinity are involved in this. God, the Father, sends an angel to Cornelius. Right here, the interpreters of, uh, the translators of the ESV put the words in red in my Bible, which means they're the words of Christ. And, and, w- and when Peter responds, he says, um, by no means, Lord, which was how, what he referred to Jesus as. So it seems as though it's Jesus, the second person of the Godhead speaking right now. And then a little further in verse 19, it says, and while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, these three men are looking for you, rise and go and accompany them. All three persons are involved in this. The Trinity's at work here. Peter's reacting to it, but he's open. He's responding and he's trying to figure out what to do next. Visions like dreams are very common. Even till today. I've had some. There's one that a number of people in our prayer ministry have had for this church. The the vision that has come through the prayer ministry to our church is a vision of darkness, like dark, stormy clouds and an ominous feeling. And then in the midst is a ray, a strong, bright light. And there are hordes of people, scores of people coming out of the darkness into the light. We've been praying into that vision as a church for five or six years now maybe it describes you. I've come to believe that that is the truth of the gospel, the light of salvation, and people are coming and being saved. They're meeting the Lord, and they're finding salvation here. That might describe you. Maybe that you were in darkness, and you came for whatever reason, and now you have found the Lord here, and you've got light. There are variations on this, but this is a vision that has come. I know some of you have visions, I want to encourage you to not be afraid to share them as it's appropriate because God is communicating to his people through those as he does here. So that's an example of a vision. There's also a voice, right? So the the sheet is let down, but then there's an attendant voice. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. He hears. I'm not sure if it's audible or not. It doesn't say. And to be honest, the times when I've heard God I don't think they're audible, but they're so real that sometimes I wonder if they were audible. I'm not even sure I would know the difference. I know people who've heard the audible voice of God. The scriptures again are full of that where other people heard God speaking to someone like Paul on the road to Damascus. Some said it was thunder, but others heard God speaking. Um, I think that for most Christians, the inner still small voice of God is very normal. It's probably the most common way that he speaks if you are a Christian, you have heard that voice. It's the inner assurance of this is God. God is doing this. You've heard the gospel proclaimed and you, in something in you went, this is God. He is speaking to me here. And what we have to do is we have to learn to be attentive to this voice. It's a, it takes practice. It takes some intentional habits. Our problem is that the world is so loud. Our lives are so loud. You get in the car. First thing you do is turn on the radio if it's not already on. Loud, loud, loud. You, you, your mind is busy. And even when you try to be still, it's, it's like going and going and going. There's so much fighting against it. And as Psalm 4610 says, be still and know that I am God. God is speaking. And he does this very often. I want to give you an example just from this past week that, that I had of the Lord saying something to me. Um, you, you know in our house um, that my wife is a little bit more of the football and sports fan than I am. So like when, uh, when magazines come to our house, like she's like, Sports Illustrated is her subscription and mine is like Coastal Living. And I'm looking at adventures and kayaks and stuff and beautiful water. And I want to go have adventures. Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm normally not the first one home. So I don't usually get the mail. But this week I got the mail and brought it in. Well, it was the annual pornography issue of Sports Illustrated called the Swimsuit Edition, and I brought the mail in and I threw it on the table, and I didn't think about it again. And the next day, I was having my prayer time, and I was, I was distracted by thoughts of that. I was feeling a temptation, like I wanted to go look at it, and I did what I tell you guys to do. I talked to the Lord about the struggle, and I went, God, I'm irritated by this. Normally, Heather gets the mail and throws this away. I never have to see it. Why do I have to see it? And then I heard something. He said, because I want you to throw it away this time. And I went, okay. So I I, I put my Bible down, I walked in the other room, I took it off the table, I threw it in the garbage can and went back to my prayer time. And of course, peace washed over me. I didn't think about it again until I was putting this sermon together and I thought that would be helpful to share. Those kind of things are normal. It happens all the time. Last week, Mark preached and he talked about God saying, don't buy those sunglasses. Sometimes God is is helping us. Sometimes he's inviting us to listen just to see if we will. He's speaking to you if you will have ears to hear. Peter heard a voice, whether audible or in his mind, I don't know. God speaks to his people. That's part of having a personal walk with the living God. And Jesus is inviting you into a real relationship with communication two-way. It's not just you talking to God. God also is speaking to you. And then there's another thing. So Peter had regular times of prayer. There was a vision that he received. There was a voice that he received. And then there were circumstances. Um, In verse 19, while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down and lo and behold, there's people at the door. And he went right up and said, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you sent for me? Now here's where he has to piece this thing together. So God doesn't give us the whole thing laid out. There's, there's discernment on our part required. There's actual use of our intellect and reasoning to figure it out. So Peter's starting to piece together, don't call this thing unclean. Here come Gentiles. They're sending for me. The Holy Spirit's saying, go with them. You know, it was unclean for a for a Jew to invite a Gentile into his house, which he ends up doing, he says he invited them in to be his guests. And then it was also unclean for a Jew to go into the house of a Gentile. So if you read for the rest of the story, he actually goes and stays with Cornelius and his household for many days and proclaims the gospel to him. And what happens when he gets there is he, and he says, now I see, here's his conversion point in verse 30, was that four? He says, um, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. God shows no partiality. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet the gospel is for all. Jesus never turns anyone away who comes to him. So as Peter begins to preach and explain about Jesus and his death and the resurrection, the Holy Spirit falls upon Cornelius' household just like at Pentecost. They start praying out in tongues. They're extolling God. They're full of joy. And Peter goes, well if the Holy Spirit, if God's giving his spirit on these Gentiles like he did for us, who am I to withhold baptism? So he baptizes them right there and then has to give account to that to the rest of the church when they hear what he did. And then they all go, oh, well, clearly God is showing us something and it changes the direction of their ministry. It was all through God communicating. It was all through Peter having a personal walk with the living God. And Cornelius was listening too, and God was speaking. He's always done this. What Jesus offers you is a real relationship, and I want to encourage you to press into that. He's not kidding when he says in John 10, I'm the good shepherd and my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. That's his invitation to you. That's the kind of relationship he wants to have with you. You're going to have to press in though. You're going to have to find the things that are blocking that, the noise in your life. You're going to have to be attentive to it. You're going to have to share with other people. you have to learn this. I'm going to have to learn this. So I want to ask you the question, do you know God? Do you know God? Because Jesus says, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. And if anyone opens, I will come in. He doesn't force himself. He's waiting for your invitation. Are you willing to say, all right, Lord, whatever it means, come into my life, be my Lord. That's how it starts. And then for those of us that have already done that and know the Lord, are you walking with him? Are you attentive to him? Is it day by day and not just at the crossroad moments where you really need guidance? but you're daily developing this. That's the kind of life that that you were made for. That's what God has for you. And I want to tell you that I and the clergy and the staff of this church and our vestry are all doing that. We're all pursuing a personal walk with the Lord. It brought me great pleasure that at the vestry retreat this last time and back a month ago, um, one of the people said, you know, the vestry retreat was like, it was like a prayer retreat. And everybody thought it was going to be business. But you know what the business of the church is? prayer. It's a personal walk with the Lord. So, of course, that's what happens on the Vestry Retreat. We prayed. We sought the Lord for his guidance for the church, for this church. So, I want to encourage you. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something different today. We've adjusted our liturgy, not just for Lent, but also for prayer. I asked Jess to move um, some of the early worship songs till after communion. And I've asked um, Gus and the prayer team to line up additional prayer ministers today they're going to be on that side of the church over there during and after communion. They're going to receive communion first. I want to encourage you to to go for prayer. Go and let them pray with you. Ask for more. Ask for more of God in your life. Let this Lent be a, a, a milestone in your walk with him. A lot of times you'll come to church and you feel inspired. You'll tell me this. I'll hear about it later. Man, your sermon spoke to me. It was really good. But then there's this gap of from Sunday morning till whenever and maybe you don't do anything with it. Don't walk out without doing something about it today. It might happen at the communion rail as you come and receive the body and blood of Christ. It might happen through the worship songs. It might happen through the prayer ministry. I want you to press in now and here in God's presence in his house. I'll give you a little bit more instruction after, after we um, consecrate the bread and the wine. But let's now go to the Lord in prayer and bow our heads. Oh Lord, you are here with us. We know that intellectually because you're omnipresent. As God, you are everywhere. But Lord, your word says that where two or three are gathered in your name, you're in our midst in a different way, in a special way. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come now. Manifest your presence among us. Fill us, Lord. Stir us. Help us to walk personally with you and know you. We need a fresh word for our lives today. Come, Lord. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.